Father in heaven, thank you for these moments we are going to dedicate to the study of interpretation of your word. Be with us, help us, be with each one of the seminar's presentations during these days and in finishing up this committee. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, yesterday uh, we were talking about um, the circle of hermeneutics, and um, yesterday I, for some reason I don't see here the point, but I, I put an example of uh, grammatics, and, um, and we were discussing about that and the importance of that process, because the, the method in which we are based upon is historical, grammatical um, method of interpretation of the scriptures. And of course, we jump over hermeneutics, and that was the definition that we used at the beginning. We made the connections with the Greek language, especially with Aristotle at the beginning, and perihermeneia, that is the work of Aristotle, and that in Latin is um, de interpretationis, from which comes the process of interpretation on a literary uh, process of interpretation. Other elements that we have, it is another element that we need to take in account. Uh, we mentioned um, the day before that when we are going to go to the Bible, we're going to read the text, the importance of understanding the author of the book, the context, also the literary style of the um, passage or, or text section in the Bible, chapter in the Bible, and the contextual um, content, and of course, taking in account lifestyle, sources, history, geography. Yesterday we spoke a little bit about um, grammatics. And let's talk now about, um, not too much, but maybe a little, regarding the sociology. I recommend very much to you, if you have time, to go and get one book that I mentioned, um, I guess in the days before, that is called uh, Jerusalem in the Times of Jesus. Jerusalem in the Times of Jesus. The author of that book is, is Joaquin Jeremiah. The book is Jerusalem in the Times of Jesus. And you are going to to find out um, a lot of reference regarding who were the Pharisees, who were the scenes, where are the scenes coming, where the um, Sadducees coming, you know, um, where, uh, who were related with, and you are going to find out that Sadducees were um, interconnected with the powers um, in, in Jewish society and very connected with the temple. And you are going to find out uh, some things 
that you are going to discover and probably are going to help you in the process of understanding some of the historical, what I will say, nuances in, in the New Testament. For example, I don't know if you remember the case when, um, when Paul was caught and, um, and he began to say that um, he was a Pharisee and that he believed in resurrection. And immediately the, the Sanhedrin split. And he did it on purpose. He did it on purpose. Why? Because he knew that in Sanhedrin there were Pharisees and Sadducees together. And when he detected the presence of the Pharisees, he used that, and immediately the Pharisees began to defend him. But, but there was another other tricky side. And when you go to Jerusalem in, in times of Jesus, you are going to find out some of the, what I will say, answers that were in the background. For example, the fact that the Sadducees didn't believe in the whole Old Testament. They only believe in the first five books of the Old Testament. Everything else, they didn't believe. So they believe the full scriptures for the Sadducees were from Genesis to the book of Deuteronomy. No more than that. Of course, at that moment, you are going to see and detect that there were a very divided society. Um, and uh, at some point, you might be able to detect also what, how will be our church if um, in the church and in the church board of every church, for example, there were people who do not believe or Ellen G. White or New Testament or partial in the New Testament. So nowadays we have living in, in a world in which Christianity, there are some Christian movements in which the total emphasis in the Bible is in the New Testament only. And by the way, that is, that is a problem. That, that, that is a problem. Recently, I am with a Michigan conference with the multi-ethnics. And recently, I was visiting the Chaldeans, and they are meeting um, together in Warren, in the church of Warren. And there is, a, there is a room like this, and they meet every single Saturday. They study the Bible. Um, they study um, the Sabbath school, and they do have the sermon also. And some people are joining um, the general congregation. But those who do not speak quite well English, like me, for example, they, um, they remain with the Chaldeans. And, um, and I bought some, um, some Bibles. But for my surprise, I found a paper book house at Grand Rapids were selling only the New Testament uh, in Arabic. So um, I, I complain about that, and I say, well, we believe in the whole scripture. We, we believe in the whole Bible. 
So finally, I put an order and received it by mail and brought that to them. But that is part of the problem we are having nowadays. That, that's part of the problem. So when, um, when, when you go into that direction, uh, sociological elements are going to, to tell you some things regarding why when Jesus was discussing in the New Testament, there were um, Sadducees and they were, they were mentioned in like a group separate from the others, Pharisees and Sadducees. But do not believe that all of them got along. No. They got along in the moment in which they decide the crucifixion of Jesus. But theologically speaking, there were a big, big differences uh, between those groups. Even, even um, in the sociology of the New Testament, you are going to see that there were other, other forces, social forces, I will say, that there, there were interacting um, inside the New Testament. And, uh, and you are going to, to enter into that um, um, in the process of hermeneutic. And, and it's good. For example, Gnosticism or the Gnostics. It is clear for me that, for example, John, when he's writing um, the book of, of John, he is, the, the Gospel of John, he is combating the idea of Gnosticism too. Because for, for Gnostics, the salvation and the connection with God was here, in the knowledge. In the knowledge. So, so John was kind of interesting author um, in trying to gain them uh, into the point in which he was uh, trying to, to attract them. When, when, uh, when he um, says some things, for example, let me um, open your, your Bible in the book of John, Gospel of John, um, and, uh, and I'm going to use my smartphone here. Uh, John 17, chapter 17, verse 3. 17, verse 3. That, by the way, is a very powerful message that uh, sometimes you might be able to dig in. This is the moment in which Jesus is performing the, um, uh, a, a prayer, but it's not, it, it is not a common prayer. It's a kind of priesthood prayer because he is interceding before God the Father for his disciples and all the followers. Because at some point, he is mentioning us because we are those who are going to come to the knowledge through the testimony of them. And that is implied in this prayer in, in, in chapter 17. But watch about this. And this is eternal life this is eternal life that they might what no. no 
that they might know T, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, um, whom thou hast sent. Okay, when you have here, um, he says that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent thee. Uh, um, who has sent. The point is, the emphasis is upon what? Here. It is in the knowledge. What, what, is, what is bringing knowledge? Eternal life. This is eternal life. Well, here, here there are some things in which you, you need to put attention. What is the verb? To know. Uh, uh, but, but what about this? Eternal life, sometimes when we speak about eternal life, we speak in what tense? Future. You're right, I said. But here it is future? Present. You're right. This is eternal life. This is eternal life. And, uh, and what is eternal life? Knowing the Lord. Knowing the Lord. And, and who? And Jesus Christ. So in the moment in which we are knowing the Lord and Jesus Christ, we, in that moment, we are starting having eternal life. That's, that's marvelous. And that is a process of hermeneutics here. Believe me. Knowledge. That is the word that is used. Uh, ginosko is the word in original Greek. And, um, and is, uh, I do have the Latin version. Cognoscant te solum verundeum, says the, the Latin version here. Um, so, so the, the concept, <laughs> the concept, I like very much the concept of John, because he is combating Gnosticism yeah. with their own elements. So here, here, here is a trick. They were emphasizing the conceptual knowledge of God for salvation. However, the Apostle John is using the language like it was a recipient, um, a, 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 you know, a cup, coffee cup or something like that, you know, but to put the content inside but this cup is Hebrew because his mind is Jewish, always. And knowledge, knowledge in Hebrew is quite different from Greek. From Greek, there was conceptual ideas. For Hebrew, factual ideas. It's a kind of knowledge for, for personal relationship. I, I know this man. He knows me. 
is a personal relationship. And that is the concept that is involved here. It is not a conceptual idea of my personal, uh, you know, uh, brain, mind in relationship with God. No, it's knowing by personal experience, praying and answering back. And that is the big, big difference with the Greek minds that is here. So it's quite interesting how sometimes when you know a little bit of certain elements like uh, sociology or certain other elements are going to tell you uh, about the condition of the, the conceptual things uh, regarding the Bible. Uh, yes? So in Hebrew then, the word know would also include union, intimate connection. Oh, of course. That is the reason that some people say that the first time in which the Bible says that Adam knew Eve. Remember the text? Very, very the beginning. Um, um, it can be chapter 3, 4. Uh, and, and they had a child. Why? Because that is knowledge for them. It's a, a, a very intimate and personal relationship that is undoubted. And impossible to doubt. See, all Adam could do was physically know Eve. But the believer, spiritually, is now in union with Christ. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, and Christ in you. Yeah, let me, let me expand a little bit more than, than that. It's, it's, not, it's not physical. It's not physical. It's, it's whole connection. That, that, is, that is the point uh, that is involved uh, in that. So what I will say is, it's a whole connection, coming back to Adam and Eve, that in the case of a marriage, involve the personal relationship of a husband and a wife. But it's not limit, limited to. Because it's more. Is, is, is friendship, is relational, is, um, you know, getting along, is involved in the same plans, is involved with the same vision, is having the same kind of purpose, is developing together the plans that God made for them together. That, that is wonderful. That, that, that is wonderful. It is, it is not a limitation. Those who are saying that here... Um, uh, the verb knowing in, is involved or limit to that, that is a very huge limitation of the conceptual concept that Hebrew they do have in that relation. But when it comes to knowing an eternal life, then the five foolish virgins no longer know Christ. And he says, I don't know where you're at. You're not part of me. And the believers who do know Christ they are literally part of him. He is part of them. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Abide in me. I in you. Without that supernatural union that goes far beyond flesh, uh, 
then they're dead. Yes. And, and, that, and that conceptual discussion is, is very, very, very deep in the relationship of the book of John. Because, because you are going to see that kind of, of, of vision. So in certain sense, I would say John is expressing Jewish idea through the limits of the Greek language. That's that's quite interesting. And he uh, yeah, the water. of course. So um, that 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 is quite quite interesting. So when you when you uh, enter in sociology and uh, that is interrelated with a, with a culture, um, that's that's wonderful to see how the process of interpretation of the Bible is is going to get in deep. Uh, regarding that. Of course, uh, knowledge is one element here. And of course, education, religion, and worldview. So when you start with a text, you are going to begin to circle about the process of the circle of the interpretation. And you are going, coming from the text, analyzing the author, uh, checking the linguistic background, um, um, Old Testament, Hebrew, um, and Aramaic, New Testament, Greek, Koine, basically, literary style, biblical context, lifestyle, sources, history, geography, sociology, culture, knowledge, education, religion, and you are going to encompass a, a whole vision of elements that are going to tell you um, uh, certainly elements that are going to help you in the process of the biblical interpretation. Um, let, me, let me tell you some elements that are important here um, in, in the process of, of um, hermeneutics or interpretation. And one of them is, what is the Bible speaking about? Because sometimes you enter into certain discussions and you begin to, to uh, have certain doubts because there are some words that appear and there are emphasis made upon and there is presence of words, but also there are omissions or absence of words. And sometimes you need to, to discuss what is, what is the author here is talking about. He's talking about Sabbath, Sunday. Uh, that is the meaning of that. Um, you know, the, the other thing that when you are deep in the linguistics, you are going to discover other, other elements that are quite interesting to discover. I am going to put this out. Uh, for example, when, uh, when you are speaking in Greek, New Testament Greek, mian, ton, sabaton, for example, um, you know, quite interesting is the fact that it's almost impossible to mention Sunday without 
quoting Sabbath because the the names of the week is first first of Sabbath that is Sunday Monday is the second Tuesday is the third there are no names for individual days why because the entire week is under the name of this the Sabbath ergo you cannot say Sunday without mentioning the Sabbath are you aware of that because they had no name. It is, it is quite interesting. So every time that the New Testament, several times in which the New Testament is, is uh, referring about the Sabbath, he, excuse me, the Sunday, he refers first of Sabbaths. That's why when Mary... Of course, that, that, is, that is the chronology of Luke. I like very much that. I like every time that I am discussing something, I like very much the chronology of the resurrection in Luke, because in the resurrection of, of Jesus, um, in the version of Luke, you are going to see in about, what, maybe four or five verses? Uh, all all the, the whole picture of the weekend. Because he's telling you that was, that was Friday. And that was preparation for Sabbath. John is the only one that says that that Sabbath was a big celebrity. And that, for them, means a kind of... You accept me to put a, a mathematical formula? That was yeah. Sabbath elevated to, 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 to do elements. <laughs> yeah, sorry for that. No. What, what does it mean? Because it was Sabbath, the seventh day, but also was a celebration of the Hebrew people. So coincides in the calendar the seven-day Sabbath plus a ceremonial Sabbath. So John says that Sabbath was of big celebrity. And that, that is the meaning for that. But, but in Luke, what you are going to see is the element of paraskewe that is preparation, and after that Sabbath, and finally Sunday, and that is the Mian Ton Sabbaton, that is the uh, day of resurrection. So, all these elements are convenient to have in mind in the process of interpretation. And I am laying some of the elements in which we are going to uh, to take in account text, context, history, uh, historical record, culture, language. So what is, what is the, the right way to read the Bible? So what we are going to do, and I'm jumping into introduction, let's go from theory to practice. Let's go to an, an element, and let's go to analyze um, a, a kind of situation in which we are going to see um, kind of a statement, condition, and we are going to be dealing with that work. For example, I was working with Mormons 
and they and they they use this text and say in a written pamphlet that Sabbath was abolished. And they use a text. And the text that they use was this one. Open your Bible. Read in your Bible. Because sometimes we need to defend our, our text and our vision and understanding. I will also, uh, immediately after Daniel, Jose is the next one. Chapter 2, verse um, Chapter 2, verse 11. You have it? Everybody? It's in the Bible? Say it's the same? Same thing? Well, there are several things, by the way, that are very interesting. And, um, well, the Bible says there, and I will also cause all her myth uh, to cease, her feast days, her new moons, and her Sabbaths. And all her, lumne, uh, her solemn feast. And when you read that, you say, wow, that's, that's quite interesting. How we can say, how, how we are going to solve the situation here. Here is the objection. The Bible is the word of God. And the word of God, in the time of the prophet Jose, says that the Sabbath will be finished and also, it will finish all the other festivities in the Jewish calendar. So now, what we need to do is to try to answer that. How we are going to answer that. So, let's work together a kind of apologetical hermeneutics. So what we are going to do is apply the elements of hermeneutics into the defense of the meaning of the text. And, uh, and we are going to recreate some of the elements. Uh, first thing, we need to take a look at the map. Okay? So, um, if you go to a dictionary, if you... If you go in deep to the case, you are going to discover something. Jose was not in the northern side of Israel. He was a missionary there, but he was southern. He was Jewish working in Samaria. And Samaria was in apostasy. You remember the context, isn't it? So we need to go to the context and uh, we need to work out what is, what, what is going on, what is uh, happening. Of course, what we are going to discover soon is that here was Samaria and that was the center of the ministry of him and uh, he was not talking about the south. He was talking about the kingdom of the north in those days. And when you, when you read chapter 1, there are um, certain elements in chapter 1 that are going to give you some kind of hint uh, about the conditions, uh, the social, uh, political, I would say, conditions of that. 
Uh, let me put um, a kind of elements over there that you are going to discover soon. First of all, in uh, chapter 1, verse 1, uh, he's going to say, The word of the Lord that come unto Jose, the son of Mary, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Ezekiah, king of Judah. First. So he's going to give you a kind of chronological condition of the south. And in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Josh, king of Israel. So you are going to interrelate those elements and you are going to frame the historical moment in which he is talking about. Uh, and you are going to find out that, um, that appear in the, um, in the text some elements. For example, chapter 1, verse 4, last sentence. says, And the Lord said unto him, Call um, his name Jezreel, for yet is a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel uh, upon the house of Jehu, and I will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. House of Israel. Beth Israel. He's talking several times and comparing house of Israel, house of Judah. What does it mean, house, here? Uh, and and uh, when you go to the Hebrew, you are going to see that uh, the, the word uh, uh, bath, that is this, and you are going to see, it's quite interesting, because it's a roof, a wall, and a floor, and an entrance. And it's the element of house. And every time that he's talking about the house of Israel, or the house of Judah, it is referring to the kingdom. To the kingdom. So he is going to be a missionary here into the north. And, uh, and the point, you, you don't need to, to miss the point. You, you need to understand what is, what is the, the, the problem here. The problem now is this. Is the text telling that the Sabbath is abolished? That is, that is the meaning? Well, the Bible says, and I will also cause all her myth to cease, her feast days, her new noons, and uh, her Sabbaths, and all her solemn feasts. So if you put the emphasis here, this is ceremonial. This. And probably new moons also. But this, this is Sabbath. So you are going to see, wow, is that the case? Is that the meaning? You, you tentatively say, no, but you need to dig in to understand what is going on, okay? So you need to go in deep to the context and all the elements. So, first of all, we need to work something here. 
and that is the chronological condition in which Ose is walking his ministry. And he is working around the 740, 750 about or before Christ. Remember something. There is an element, historical element, that is going to happen, and soon when you began to compare and discover, this is a very important date. That is a very important date. And when you dig on historical chronology and so on, you are going to find 770, uh, excuse me, 22 before Christ. And, um, and that is for me the astonishing prophetical work of a missionary sent by the Lord to invite the people to come to the Lord because doom is coming. Because destruction is coming. And, and probably a kind of destruction in which even though him and the family and the members of the family might be involved in. So, you know, he might have, what, maybe 20 years to do that? No more than that? So that is the context. That is a historical context. Remember another element. Remember another element. And, and now we need to go to the Holy Scriptures. And let's go to, the, to 1st of Kings, chapter 1, chapter 1. Excuse me. 1st of First Kings, chapter 12. 1st Kings, chapter 12. And you are, that, that is a critical section in the Old Testament. Why? Because that was happened about 200 years before this event. That is the time in which something critical happened. And the, the crisis that happened was the death of one of the more remembered kings that bring glory to the people of Israel. And at that point, everything were together. No division between Judah or Israel. That was the death of Solomon. And when Solomon died, Rehoboam took that place. And that, that was a problem. That was a problem. And, um, and if you remember, read about the conditions, and you are going to see that um, after the, the king Solomon died, uh, they sent missionaries and uh, a group of people to, to talk with a new king and request to lower the taxes. Remember the dialogue? Remember that? 
And, um, and he began to listen about that. And he began to do something good, by the way. He began to do a consultation. He called the elders and say to them, what do you think about? And they, they say, listen, listen to the people. And I like very much. And the, the, verse 6, and King Rehoboam consulted with the old man that stood before Solomon, his father, while he yet lived and say, how do ye advise that I may answer these people? That is good. That, that is good. He, he did the right thing. And they speak unto him, and I like very much the advice that they gave him, and uh, says, and they speak to him, saying, If thou will be a servant unto these people this day, and will serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. What do you think about? Let me tell you something. I, I am in love with this text. You know why? This is the description of what is a good pastor in the church. That is a good leader in the church. What is a good administrator in the church? What is a good treasurer in the church? What is a good personal ministry, whatever you call, because this is servant leadership. And that is coming very clearly from the Bible. But, but he forsook, the Bible says, the counsel of the old man, which they had given him and consulted with the young man, and the, and the young man gave the opposite and the opposite advice began to give him a split. When, when you follow these things, let me tell you something. Um, you can see some elements that are bringing unity in the world and division in the world. Because we are not islands. We are in, interrelated with the world. And, and, and that is powerful here. And finally, you know the rest. What happened? What happened was a division created. And appeared a leader. And, and that united kingdom was split in two. And appears the north and the south. And Israel and Judah. And never, never more they will be united. Nevermore they be united. So, what what happened here? Let's go here, and 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 you are going to discover what Rehoboam said to them to try to stand and to be firm in that decision of splitting those powers. Because what you are going to find out is very clear what is here. And uh, verse 32, And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month, on the fifteenth day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah. And he offered upon the altar 
So did he in Bethel sacrificing unto the calves that he had made, and he placed in Bethel the priests of high places which he had made. Look verse following. So he offered unto the altar which he had made in Bethel the 15th day of the 18th month, even in the month in which he had devised of what? His own heart. He created that. He. He created a calendar. He created a priest. A priesthood. He nominated and ordered the, the priest. That was an interruption of the chain coming from Moses' time. And basically what he did, he created a church in parallel. What, what is the division? The division is not only political, it's religious. So, so he created a competition worship in the north to compete with Jerusalem in the south and watch about this and in Bethel in the 15th day of the 8th month, even in the month in which he had devised in his own art an ordained feast unto the children of Israel, and he offered upon the altar and burned incense. So he developed a new priesthood. He established up and north the places in which they were going to, to go to worship those idols, and everything was in a kind of copycat of what is going to happen in the south. And all the worship was divided into that. And that is the creation of Samaria. So now when you go to John chapter 4. And, uh, and you listen and you read the dialogue in between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Samaritan woman says to Jesus, our father, we're worshiping in this place. But you, the Jewish, were in Jerusalem. So what, what does it mean that? Geographical worship. They center the concept of worship in a piece of geography and for them that was the logic for that. However, however, before destruction came Jose and he developed the ministry in this kind of condition in Samaria and Israel had a parallel cult with their own calendars and their Sabbaths. Their Sabbaths. Listen that. Their Sabbaths. And Ezekiel comes later. In Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 12 and 20, there are two texts that are going to put illumination in your mind in the process of 
revelation, inspiration, and illumination. Because they are going to give you the hint. Um, you remember what the book of Ezekiel says uh, regarding this topic? Watch about the vocabulary of the book of Ezekiel, chapter um, uh, 20, verses 12 and 20. Look about that. The Bible says, Wherefore I caused them to go forth out of the land of Egypt, and brought them unto the wilderness. And verse 12 says, Moreover, also I gave them my Sabbaths, my Sabbaths, to be what? A sign. How the Lord called the Sabbath? Mine Sabbath. Look verse 20. Verse 20, same chapter. Same chapter. And hallow my Sabbaths. And they shall be a sign between me and you that ye may know that I am the Lord your God. Ezekiel, Ezekiel 20, 20, and before is 12. It's, um, it's, it's Ezekiel, the same chapter, same chapter. Um, and here it's important because the Lord is putting his his property upon the Sabbath is mine Sabbath. It's not her Sabbath. Watch about that. Why? Because the Bible says here, and her Sabbath. The point is, is this the word in which the Lord is speaking about the Sabbath in the Old Testament? Nope. Of course. Of course. Of course, they were the Sabbaths that were invented in the mind of Jeroboam to copy the elements of the worship in the south. So there is a tiny word here that is telling that is not God's property. It's the property of those who were inventing that kind of calendar. So... When uh, you go in deep, here you discover the tiny elements that are going to track you with the elements. Her Sabbath against mine Sabbath. Her Sabbath against my Sabbath. So now, now we have a person that is or. Jehovah Witnesses or Mormon with a question that say, well, the Old Testament says that the Sabbath is going to be finished. And we need to give an answer to that. We need to give a biblical answer. And we need to be biblical sound to that person. And with kindness and with joy and with a spirit of Christianity, we are going to uh, show something that is important, and that is this. Jesus observed the Sabbath. And Jesus lived 
very much after after Ose and also after that destruction in which Assyria come and destroy completely Samaria in the 722 before Christ. That happened 700 before Christ. And in that moment, this was fulfilled. Because finished the feast days, the new moons, the Sabbath, and all the solemn feasts, because Assyria destroyed completely all the worship that Jeroboam have, uh, you know, falsely instituted, and it was a fake celebration for them. But in the, in the New Testament, the, the church in the New Testament that is built by Jesus, Jesus honored the Sabbath. And on Sabbath day, the Bible says, according to his custom, the Bible mentioned, he entered into the synagogue and stood up to read in the book of the prophet Isaiah. That's, that's, a, that's a blessing. So this is telling several things for me. First of all, what a, what a wonderful God we have. Sometimes, I, I don't know how was Ose. I, I don't know. But he was a powerful prophet. Because he left his land. He went as a missionary to the north to, to say, to, to raise the trumpet and to tell them, look, came back to the Lord. Came back. Don't, don't enter more deep into the apostasy. Came back to the Lord. You are our brothers and sisters. Came back to the Lord. Repent and came back. And let me tell you that sometimes this is a, this is a very difficult ministry. Because did he know about what was going to happen in 722? I don't know. I don't know, but he was fulfilling the, the work of the Lord. He was in love with that people, trying to get them back. And probably some of them repented. We don't know. But let me tell you, that is, that is part of our ministry in the world, um, in which we, we need to obey the scriptures, and we need to put all these kind of examples, because in here... In this kind of situation, I like it very much um, in the process of hermeneutics. But of course, I am also a pastor, and I can render myself into the reality of the invitation, powerful invitation coming from this text. Because in here, you find a God that is loving his people, giving his people the chance, even though he was convinced about the condition in which they were in apostasy. He sent people as missionaries to recover them. And, this is, and that is telling to me that is a, how big is the love of God in, into this. For, for, for 20 maybe, for 20, 
30 years, Jose was doing this ministry until finally Assyria come and destroy completely. Complete. Never Samaria was recovered. When, when, when you go to the New Testament and you recover, recapture, in certain sense, the, um, the conversation of the Samaritan woman with Jewish, with a Jewish rabbi that was Jesus, uh, you are going to capture some elements coming from the description of the book of John. Go, for example, to John chapter 4, and in extents, you are going to find out that. And it's clear that the Bible says to you that, um, that Jesus saw in that lady a missionary to save the town. Uh, and he asked her water to drink. Remember? And, um, and, and the lady says, How you, being a Jew, asked me, a Samaritan woman, to drink? And John entered into a kind of clarifications. And the clarification is that uh, because Jewish and Samaritan, something like do not get along. But when you go in deep, in deep to the point, is that, for example, if this is some Samaritan, Samaritan and Jewish, a Jewish person, are not going to touch a Samaritan uh, water content. Why? Because the concept is defilement. He cannot enter into, the, into worship in the sanctuary. And, and the Bible, in the original, we use a word that means, like, because Samaritan Jewish do not interchange this kind of elements. For, for me, that is, that is quite interesting. Why? Because Jesus did it, even though the customs were not permitting that. And, and, what happened? And what happened? That, that, is, that is, for me, a, a big surprise, because John is Jewish. And John is describing the condition that finally that woman went to the city and said to the, all the people, look, I found a prophet. Because that prophet began to tell all my life. And, and all the town began to say, all your life? Uh, people magazine are not going to finish uh, seven volumes about your life. I, 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 and she began to say, yes, all my life. And they come and they invite. And Jesus went into Samaria and stays for two days together with the disciples and were converts to them. So what is, what is here the point? Ah. Uh, let me tell you, for me, it's quite, quite interesting. Open your Bible, please. Open, open your Bible in the book of Acts, chapter 1. Yes, I'm going to take the question immediately. But let me finish here, and I'm going to take the question. Because it's just a moment. Chapter, 
one book of Acts. But, the Bible says, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come unto you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea, and look what is next. And Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So that, for me, that is, that is a miracle. That means that Jesus is giving the order to go to all the world, no jumping over Samaria. Because Samaria received him. Because Samaria was converted to him. And that is powerful because they, John was saying, because Samaritans and Jewish do not get along. <laughs> Jesus said, don't get, please don't, don't stop by that. Go, go forward. And you are going to see something bigger. You know what is the biggest thing? Because here is not only, and you are going to enter, go, if you want bibliography for this, enter into Ministry Magazine online, www.ministry.org, ministry, ministry Magazine, and look the article by my name, To the Ends of the Earth. To the Ends of the Earth. And you are going to discover something. When you go to the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, you are going to find out this. You might be able to divide in three parts, three sections. Chapter 1 through 8, chapter 8 through 13, 13 through 28. And you are going to see here, here is the gospel into Ju Jerusalem and Judea. Here is in Samaria. And here goes to the end of the earth. What is telling that? They are following Jesus' order. So we are here following Jesus' orders. No more misconceptions. It's WW Ministry. Ministry. No, no, Ministry. Ministry. Uh, ORG, I, I guess. Okay. Is that? Okay, to the end of the year, yes. It's February. February 2011. Uh, and you are going to read that in extension. And you are going to find out all the bibliographical references regarding that. And uh, let me tell you for me, that is a powerful vision because that is a recoup. Not everything that at the beginning was a destruction is going to end that way. There is hope. And hope is in the hands of the Lord. They have a word of prayer. I'm going to take the question. Father in heaven, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your ministry on earth. And thank you because you are calling us and inviting us to be your disciples and to go to the world and preach the truth to the world in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse 
a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio, and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.